There were times when God came at night and literally killed the enemy and left them dead so that Israel could just walk through and pick up the spoils. I, I don't know how God will rescue, but I wanna, I wanna say that as I've been praying for brothers and sisters, people in Afghanistan, I believe that God will rescue many. I believe he will rescue hundreds. I believe someone, some will lose their life because the Bible talks about that. It talks about in the last days. It literally talks about heads being cut off in the last days. Uh, it talks about persecution against Christianity. And uh, I think some of us, to a certain degree, are just suddenly a little bit shocked about the reality of how quickly uh, we, we are moving toward end times in our, in our own nation, of course, in, in nations around the world. And I'm, I'm not trying to frighten us at all, other than I'm trying to say it's a time to pray. It's a time for the church to pray. The Bible says in James chapter 5, Elijah was a man just like us, and he prayed. He was praying for repentance for the nation of Israel. He prayed that it wouldn't rain so that hearts could be turned back to God. He prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years, and he prayed that it would rain, and of course, uh, it rained, and the people received their crops. He was a man like us. I just think it's important for us to remind ourselves that God answers prayer and so i'm going to invite the worship team to just play a little in the background and i'm going to ask you to pray i, I would love i would love it this is my vision uh but i thought you know rather than just me pray it'd be great if we prayed i'm wondering if husbands and wives could take a few minutes right now and just grab hands and pray with one another for what's happening in Afghanistan. And of course, there are other things in the world, there are things in our own nation. I would love for you as husband and wives to be able to pray together right now. Uh, if you're a single person and, and you're familiar with a person next to you, grab their hand and pray. Just join together, a little prayer circle. Maybe a three or four people, maybe a couple would join with another couple and, and you'd pray right now. I just think it's important for us to bow our heads, to humble ourselves before God and ask for God's mercy to pray for the miraculous and pray for God to move in a powerful way to rescue and to save and to deliver and heal. So uh, let's pray.
weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it will prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. My God will never fail. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. Take 
Father, we come in Jesus' name through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we trust your sovereignty. We trust your plan throughout history. Father, our hearts are grieved and our hearts are broken, Lord, for those who are suffering right now. Lord, for those who are trapped right now. Jesus, for brothers and sisters who love you who love their lives not unto death, Lord, who are willing to, to even die for you. So, Lord, we lift up mankind. Lord, we lift up the people of As Afghanistan, Lord. We thank you for the many, the hundreds and even thousands who are turning to Christ because they realize the, the Muslim religion, Lord, doesn't have an answer. Lord, we ask forgiveness for sins. Move mightily, Jesus, for people of other faiths and other nations, Lord. We, we lift up the name of Jesus, Lord. We pray for revelation of Jesus, that a quickening of the Spirit, Lord, would draw their minds and hearts to you, Lord. Maybe they've heard the gospel at some point, or maybe during a time of their worship of their God, they have sent something beyond this life, something supernatural. His name is Jesus. Lord, I pray they would recognize that call of the Spirit who calls them out of darkness into their marvelous light. Quicken them, Lord. Bring salvation, Lord. May we see them in heaven together, Jesus. We pray for that end, Lord, for their lives here this morning, Lord. We intercede for your son's name, for his glory and his honor for all eternity. We pray that he'd be glorified through the miraculous grace that brings faith in this hour, brings healing in this hour, brings deliverance in this hour. 
Father, we lift up the mighty name of Jesus, and together with one voice, we say, God, help us. Help the people of Afghanistan, Lord. Help America. Lord, evil seems so rampant, but you are on your throne. You were there yesterday. You are on your throne today, and you will be on the throne tomorrow. Lord God, we pray for a miraculous intervention. Lord, just like you scattered the armies and they turned against themselves in Israel Day, Lord, do that again today. Yes, Jesus. Lord, do that again yes, today. Jesus. We cast confusion yes, back onto the enemy Jesus. in the name of Jesus. Lord God, I pray there will be miraculous healings, miraculous interventions of protection. The angels will be warring on people's behalf, and evil might try, but it's not going to get through. Yes, Jesus, Lord, Jesus. thank you. Lord thank you God, we come humbly and cry out to you on behalf of the children and the Jesus. young people, Lord, Jesus. of our nation and Jesus. Afghanistan. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. raise up godly men and women to love those kids, to care for those kids, to intervene for those kids, to pray and contend for those kids. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. Jesus, you have a plan and a purpose for each one of us standing right here in this building. Lord, in these prayers that we're praying, Lord, they apply to us too, because some of us are in great pain and going through great difficulties. You Jesus. have not forgotten about us yes, either. Jesus. Lord, you care about each individual, thank and so I pray peace. I pray grace grace. I pray wisdom, Lord, and I pray deliverance and power, and more than that, I pray salvation and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, that you are going to give divine insight and wisdom to men and women all around this world, and we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus, 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 Jesus. So I, I think I'm supposed to say something prophetically right now, and uh, I didn't, didn't think about this. I thought a lot of other things, I'll tell you. But I didn't think about this before I came. And uh, you know, I, I think a lot of us are heart sick about our nation and the leadership of our country. And I, I apologize, uh, maybe you'd love for me to go on a rant here, but I'm not going to do it. Uh, it's not going to help. I'll just say this, simply and clearly. We're part of a nation and a leadership that has lost their way. They have lost their way because they have rejected the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And they have lost their way. And they don't understand the wickedness of evil. Now, that's true in Afghanistan and other parts of the world. But it's also true in our own nation. The idea that we can allow young children to pick what sex they are. That we can promote a transgender agenda. Now, you know, I love everybody. I love everybody. God has a plan. But there's a way that is the Lord's way. And we're part of a nation that has lost its way and part of a leadership that has lost its way. But here's the point I'm trying to make to some of you who are caught up in this, so emotionally captured by the failure of our country that sometimes you can't sleep at night. Here's what the Lord says. 
The answer has never been in the government. The answer is in the church. The church is God's redemptive plan. God is working through the church. He's working through the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. God wants to work in the church. He wants to work in your life. He wants to raise up a standard. He wants to bring salvation and rescue. Okay, if you've read the book, you know toward the end it gets darker. Does anyone know that? You've read the book. Okay, we've read the book. We know at some point it will become so dark that it'll become a one world government, that there'll be a person who will embody the spirit of Antichrist that's been in the world since the time Jesus was here. And what is the defense against that? It is not America. The defense against that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The defense in this day is the prayers of the saints. The defense is the power of the Holy Spirit filling in you, walking in you, working through you, laying hands on the sick, praying for others, sharing love, goodness, and kindness. So I want to encourage you here. As Peter said, in a dark day in history, again, read the book. This is not unlike the time when Peter and Paul preached the gospel. And what did Peter say? He said, gird up the loins of your mind and understand where the battle is. For the battle belongs to the Lord. And I just want to encourage you. That is who we're going to be as a church. We're going to fight the fight in the spirit. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to share our faith and love one another. Could someone say amen together? Amen. Thanks, Steve. Steve's my cheerleader right down here. Amen, Pastor. You preach it, brother. Hallelujah. Give Steve a hand. He's amazing. Awesome. Love him. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to pray for us. Okay, then I'll let you rest. <laughs> Lord, I want to ask forgiveness for our sins, Lord. Lord, we have wanted to take a responsibility that you gave us. Jesus said, you, you said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Lord, we want to we pass a responsibility you gave to us onto the government. And you've never asked us to do that. You ask us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We're going to read about it this morning. Giving thanks and praise to God. So, Lord, we ask forgiveness for our sin, and we ask you to fill us. And this is my, in my spirit, this is what I'm, I think I'm supposed to pray. Lord, clothe us, clothe us with the Holy Spirit, Lord. Help us guard our minds. Help us guard our hearts. Help us walk in the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit. May the Holy Spirit rest on us like we sang this morning, Lord. Rest on us. Move. Move on us. We thank you for that. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Jesus' wonderful name. Could we say amen? Amen. Honey, would you say amen to that? Amen. 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 There you go. It's got to be right. It's got to be God. Thank you, honey.
All right. I don't know about you, I'm already tired. But go ahead and tell your neighbor, I'm already tired. I came to church to rest and I'm tired. I have so much adrenaline, I'm shaking. I wish I could say it was the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it is, you know, the Spirit's in me and moving, and I literally start shaking. Uh, but it's coffee and adrenaline right now, <laughs> sorry. Uh, <clears throat> I'm gonna invite you to take your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter five. Uh, if you're just kind of reconnecting, maybe you've had a busy summer, um, we have been in a series this summer in the book of Ephesians. Uh, the title of this series is At War, which is an interesting title uh, to me. Uh, but when we started this series, one of the things I said is that we're in a battle. We're in a battle with demonic forces. We're in a battle with the world around us that's trying to oppress us with ideas and ideologies. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more when we get to Ephesians chapter 6, just some of the present-day ideologies that our, our culture has that is trying to draw us away from God. We have our battle with the flesh. Does anyone have a battle with your flesh? Okay, the rest are liars. <clears throat> you know, part of the flesh, it's not just the lust of the flesh, the eyes, the boastful pride of the life. Part of my battle with the flesh is just my mind. It's just my carnal mind. It doesn't naturally think the things of God. I have to constantly remind myself of who I am in Christ and spend time in God's word. But nevertheless, we have a battle. We're in a battle. And Paul says to stand firm in chapter 6 where we're, we're headed. But every part of this book is about equipping us to stand, to stand firm, armed. We're, we're armed with the, with, 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 the, um, with the weapons of God. And, and so I've been labeling every little message uh, through the different chapters, armed with. We, we talked in chapter one about being armed with a new identity. And it's so important for you to be armed with a new identity in Christ. You've been forgiven of your sins. You've been born again through the power of the Holy Spirit. You're adopted into God's family. He chose you. Uh, you've been given every spiritual blessing, which we don't understand that because we're so materialistic. But it, I tell you, being forgiven by God and being adopted into his family is so much more important than your paycheck. 
We've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We have a new identity. We need to be armed with that as we go through our life. We we need to be armed with grace. We talked about that in chapter 2. How it's by grace we're saved through faith. Not not of ourselves. It's a gift from God. Not as a result of works that any man should boast. You know, grace arms us as we come to God. Grace arms us as we try to deal with the fallen world around us and the people we try to love and communicate with. We understand grace. We're armed with a new identity. We're armed with grace. Armed with power. Paul prayed in chapter 3. That would be filled with the Holy Spirit and strengthened by his power in our inner man. So that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. Can you imagine literally Jesus dwelling and being welcome in every aspect of our life. I don't know what you do when you have guests come over for a a short period of time in your life. I, I always say, make yourself at home. And that's what Paul was praying for the church, that somehow Jesus could make himself at home in you, in your heart, in your mind, in your life, so that you could learn to walk with him. We're, We're armed with power in the inner man. We're armed with purpose, and we talked about that last week. Now, this morning, I'm going to try to talk or begin to talk about being armed with partnership. Could we say that together? Armed with partnership. Armed with partnership in Ephesians 5, verse 15 through 33. We're going to talk about marriage. Partnership. Would you look at your spouse and say, you're my partner. You're my partner. Now, you know me. I'm going to ramble for a while, so here we go. Okay. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. You know that word helper literally means an ally? An ally, a partner, someone with equal strength that helps you stand firm against the devil's schemes. Your wife is an ally. Your husband is an ally. Okay, I'm going to bug you a lot with this. Would you turn to your spouse and say, you're my ally. You're my ally. We're allies. Partnered together. As God is working out his salvation in you, if you're a married person, you're not alone. You have an ally. Just this last week or the week before, I can't tell you, uh, there were a couple of times where I just opened up and expressed vulnerability with my wife, things I was afraid of, things I was struggling with. And my wife, you saw her. Talk about cute. She was so kind to listen and to pray. I'm not afraid to talk to my wife about my wrestles and about my struggles. She's my partner. Hallelujah. She's my ally. I'm so thankful for that. I've got a support when it comes to working out my salvation. Paul says in Philippians 2.13, working out my salvation with fear and trembling. I have an ally. Uh, When it comes to trying to raise my family, when it comes to power in prayer, man, you want my wife on your side. I'll tell you, powerful prayer. When it comes to ministry and mission in the world, we're allies. We're armed with partnership. Now, if you're not married this morning, let me just address that a little bit. I, I don't want you to feel left out. You know, maybe you will be someday. Maybe you, maybe you won't. 
marriage does not make you complete. That's a fallacy. Sometimes we're waiting. I'll be complete when I'm married. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says God created you in his image. And marriage is about partnership, but it's not about completeness. It says in, Col in, in Colossians, I'm complete in Christ. In him, it says. In him. Read it in chapter 2. In him I am complete. And, and so that's just super important for you to understand that you can be fruitful. You can be fulfilled. You are complete in, in Christ. And in fact, the Apostle Paul, if you read 1 Corinthians 7, uh, <laughs> he says, you're better off if you're not married. He said, I wish you were all like me. You were single, you know. He was a bachelor to the rapture, and uh, he was going for it for God, you know. And he said, I wish you were all like me, because then you could be undistracted and, and devote yourself totally. Now, I think, frankly, we can be undistracted in marriage and devote together as partners in, 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 in sharing the gospel. But anyway, I'm just saying. Now, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try, try to be a little candid. Uh, a little bit and my wife will probably she's going to help me by the way and she'll probably be a little bit candid uh, but you know many times when we fall in love we only see the strengths of the other person have you noticed that you talk to a couple that's fallen in love oh pastor he is wonderful he's so quiet <laughs> and so confident and so self-assured and then three years later, when they come in for marriage counseling, Pastor, he never talks to me. <laughs> now, what is that? You know, sometimes your strengths hide your weaknesses. And that's confusing. And sometimes your strengths that hid your weaknesses, they're awesome, by the way. God gave you strengths, but sometimes uh, weaknesses become resentments. And they begin to work and divide pastor she is beautiful she's amazing she's so fun she's so outgoing pastor she wants to talk all the time I mean she holds me so accountable she wants to hear what I'm thinking I'm not telling her what I'm thinking some of it I just feel like she's so controlling and yet she was so much fun and I felt so free and I could really talk to her. It's amazing how perspective changes. Now, I, I realize what I'm saying right now. I'm picking on a couple of character traits, uh, temperament traits or whatever. But it's true, uh, even though I'm oversimplifying, we have a tendency to hide our weaknesses trying to cover up with our strengths when we're dating. And unfortunately, the difficulty in marriage, it's the most intimate relationship you will ever have. I mean, you sleep with the guy but, or the girl, but, but it's not just about the physical aspect. It's about the emotional aspect. You're going to journey through life as transparent as you've ever been with anyone. And it's, it's, it's it, it, difficult. We're in a battle. Because the enemy accuses your wife. The enemy, the accuser of the brethren, by the way, accuses your husband. And you start to form opinions sometimes.
and, and then we build walls and uh, we think in the flesh, I don't need to change, she needs to change. I don't have blind spots. She has blind spots. Okay, let's go back to the beginning. We're partners, could we say amen? We're partners, we're allies. It is not good for a man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable. Now that word suitable, so important. It's like two pieces of a puzzle fitting together. It's, it's you're perfect for each other. You just don't know it. You really are. You're perfect for each other. God designed you uniquely to fit together. Her strengths help me needs in your weaknesses. Your weaknesses help meet needs uh, in regard to her strengths. It's just like God has made us, especially for one, and we can discover, if we can discover the beautiful unity in Christ that God intends for us, uh, in our marriage, I, th I, think, I think we would be amazed. Paul calls it a mystery. We're going to read it here in a minute. Paul says, it's a mystery. I don't understand it. But it's an illustration of Christ and his church. How, can you imagine all of us being one here this morning? Being, being unified as one? Look around you. Some of you don't shave. It's amazing. Some of you have hair. Sorry. You know, but we're so different. We're so new, unique. We have different personalities, and yet we're one in Christ. And, 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 and Paul said, marriage is a mystery. It's not a natural relationship. It's a supernatural relationship in the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you don't pursue to understand it in the Spirit, in Jesus Christ, you'll never really understand the full meaning of what God is doing. I believe your marriage was designed to be everything you dreamed it would be and more. And so I want to talk a little bit about a, a few things, and we may run over into next week on this a little bit. So let me begin reading uh, in verse 15. I'm going to read down through verse 23, or 33, excuse me. I'll put, I'll put it up on the screen as well. We're in the New Living Testament. If you happen to be in a Bible app on your phone, you, could, you can change to the New Living Testament. But it says, verse 15, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, uh, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Uh, don't be drunk with wine, because that's stupid. It'll ruin your life, okay? Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Have a, a passion for Jesus. And as a result of that passion, the overflowing spirit of the Holy Spirit in your life, you'll be singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, that overflowing thankfulness toward one another as spouses, it's so important to, to experience that in your life together because it's a sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit and your relationship being filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then he gets specific about husbands and wives. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. Do you understand the value God places on you brothers there? He's the savior, it says. 
something about what God is doing in you that is designed to bring healing and wholeness to your spouse. I don't know if you've discovered that yet, but that's who God made you to be. So what could take you there? What could lead you there in, in your life? He is the savior of the body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit uh, to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, uh, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. Uh, for a man who loves his wife is actually showing love for himself. And you know, I think there's some uh, psychological things there where if you aren't healthy enough to love yourself, you're going to have a hard time loving other people, and especially your spouse. There's just, there's just something there. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds it and cares for it. We'd all say amen. Just as Christ cares for the church and we are members of his body. As the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Do you see how he uses submission and respect interchangeably in these verses? I think that's interesting uh, to me. You know, so... I, I want to say just in the beginning, I had no idea what I was getting into when I married Cheryl uh, 41 years ago. I, I, more than I realized, I was a very selfish, uh, self-centered person. And I, I didn't realize it yet in my life. Have you noticed what a self-centered generation we are? It's all about selfies, by the way. You know, you, know, you, you go to the Grand Canyon and it's amazing. It's so beautiful. And you're just in awe. And then there's these people over, you know, it's, kind of, it's not about the Grand Canyon and the glory of God and the beauty of what he made. It's just, hey, let me get this. Oh, that one wasn't good enough. Let me try this angle. Oh, let's do this. Now, I'm sorry if I just messed up your selfie thing or your Instagram thing. Uh, wasn't it nice we didn't take pictures all the time? We just lived life and had fun with our grandkids or whatever. But... Life is not about you. And, and yet, I'll be honest with you, psychologically and emotionally, life was all about me when I got married. I mean, I didn't want it to be. I wanted to love my wife as Christ loved the church, but I was pretty self-centered. Thankfully, I was saved, and I was beginning to learn how to follow Jesus with my life. And what I mean by that is I was beginning to learn how to die to myself. Do you know it's a process? Learning how to die to yourself. Does anyone know that? It's a process, learning how to die to yourself. Matthew 6, 24 through 25 says, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. 
Now, thankfully, uh, when I met Cheryl, at least I had begun to learn to follow Jesus and die to myself. I'd given up some career goals. I was learning how to give up my time. I went to a nursing home simply to love the people who were there and share the gospel on Saturday mornings. I, uh, I'd given up my finances, my, my dreams of whatever that was all about. I'd, I'd given up a lot of things I thought would make me happy to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It wasn't always easy. There was a discipline in all of that, and it was painful sometimes. But I'll tell you, I discovered what Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything will be added to you. And I was starting to experience that in my life. I was starting to see, okay, it's time to die. It's time to learn how to live for Jesus Christ. And so uh, I was starting to discover, man, there's reward in this. Seek first. Everything will be added. I was starting to see that in my life. But I hadn't begun to learn what it would mean to love someone deeply from the heart. And I'll be honest with you, that's been the greatest joy and yet the greatest challenge I've ever faced in my life, trying to learn to love one someone who's unique and different from me, deeply from my heart. Not that, you know, my wife's not worthy of love. It's just I'm so self-centered. Now, the reason why I say all of that is because in these first few verses, verse 15 through 21, Paul is expressing that marriage is all about following Jesus. It's all about loving Jesus. It's all about dying to yourself so that you can love another person the way Jesus loves them. That's really the foundation of marriage. Every day you get up, Jesus, I love you, and I want to love my wife the way you love her today. How many of that's the way you start out the day? Okay, go on now. <laughs> I need some help here. Okay, because isn't that what it's all about? Yeah, we're, we're following Jesus in our life we're following Jesus uh, in our marriage, and we're learning to love our spouse the way Jesus loves our spouse every day of our, our life. And so Paul is urging us as we follow Christ, this is what we got to do. Be careful how you live. Don't be as unwise. Be wise. Don't be drunk with wine. Filled with the Spirit in love with Jesus, singing praises, giving thanks. Further, verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's, a, uh, that, that's an illustration of, 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 of the fact that you're being filled with the Holy Spirit when you honor others above yourself, when, when other people are the most important thing in your world. That's, that's a sign that you're being filled with the Spirit. And then he goes on to be specific. Wives, let me read it now, verse 23 to 24, and let's talk about it a little bit. It says, wives, for wives, this means submit to your husband as to the Lord. For a Husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in some things. In the things you like. In the things you agree with. What does it say there? Oh, man. Paul, did you have to put that there? Man, I don't know about you. That takes a lot of faith. Ladies, I'll just say, it takes a lot of faith. This, this takes a lot of faith. But did you know there's a divine order in heaven? 
and there's a divine order on earth. Okay, now no one's going to teach you this in school. But this is true. And this is scriptural. There's a divine order in heaven, and there's a divine order on earth. Okay? In heaven, there is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're all three of equal value. All three are God, and they are one. But they are unique. And there are things the Son does not know because the Father has not revealed them. You know, when they came up to him and said, Jesus, is now the time? We're gonna, you're going to establish your kingdom? Is now the time you're coming back? When's all that going to happen? And Jesus said what? No one knows the day or the hour except the Father. Okay, Jesus was submitted to the Father. He said, I only say the things the Father is saying and do the things the Father is doing. Now, Jesus was equally God, but he was submitted. Didn't take anything away from Jesus. Did it take anything away from Jesus? Absolutely not. Did you know the Spirit was submitted to Jesus? Jesus said, he told Mary, remember when he was, uh, on the day he resurrected from the dead, he hadn't got to the Father yet, he hadn't sinned yet, and Mary was trying to grab, hold on to him, and uh, there at the open tomb, and, and Jesus said, he said, don't hold on to me, I haven't yet ascended to the Father, and I must ascend to the Father so I can send the Holy Spirit. If you look at this creation story, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over uh, the waters, and the Spirit was hovering. And then God said, let there be light. Who is that? Jesus. He's the word of God. He spoke. Let there be light. Okay, when he said, let there be light, what happened? The spirit who was hovering began to set in motion the galaxies, the stars, the sun, the moon, everything that is light, spiritually and physically. But he was in submission to the sun, who was in submission to the Father. See, in heaven, there's an order. It's, it's supernatural, it's divine, it's the way God created it. And frankly, I don't understand it, but they're all of equal value. And they are all interdependent, interconnected. They live in perfect unity in the heavenly realm. Isn't that amazing? Perfect unity. Now, on earth, there's also an order. In fact, I, I didn't give this to... Uh, Sonia, so I can't put it up, but if you have your Bible, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 11, uh, beginning in verse 3. It, it says, and I'm sorry I'm rushing ahead. I get nervous. But there is one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ. The head of every man is Christ. Let me ask you a question. Are you submitted to Christ? I'm not asking if you believe in Christ. I'm asking, are you submitted to his lordship in your life? The head of every man. By the way, there are people that aren't submitted to Christ. But at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because he is the head of every man. He is the head. The head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. Well, I wish they hadn't put that in the Bible. The head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Now, I don't understand this very well, to be honest. 
the divine order in, on earth in humanity. I do know this. There is an order because it says it there in the scripture. I do know this practically. I knew when God, when God created Adam, he took a rib from Adam and made a woman. Now, why did he do that? Why didn't he just create man and then create woman separately? Because from the beginning, he wanted us to be interdependent, deeply connected. That's God's plan. God's plan is for us to be interdependent, deeply connected. By the way, no man has ever been born without a woman. <laughs> Could the lady say amen? Been there, done that, bought the shirt, okay? I delivered that little sucker. Okay, so we're dependent on one another. God created interdependencies. There's an order, but there is a relationship and interdependency. I, I don't understand completely how it works, but in marriage, the power of God works through, ladies, your trust in God and your willingness to follow the leadership of your husband. It's, it's amazing. It's hard. But it says in 1 Peter chapter 3, it, it says, ladies, for those of you who are married to non-believing husbands, it says your husband will be one without a word as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. That's amazing to me that God works through submission in a powerful way. Of course, Abraham asked his wife, Sarah, to pretend she was his sister. Are you kidding me? <laughs> pretend I'm your sister? The king's going to invite me into his harem. You know where that could go. Do you think she was nervous? I would have been. What is he doing? But the Bible says she submitted. And of course, we know the story. God protected her, kept her safe, worked it out, and blessed Abraham financially through all of it. Talk about grace. Read the Bible. It's an amazing book, the way God works. And, and I really believe there's something about uh, order in this verse that we don't understand. In our world, we fight for independence. Men, you want to be the Marlboro Man. You want to be rugged. You know, you want to be independent. You want to be on your own. Macho. Even in our language, we, we call people. We call her the little woman. Man, when I hear that, I'm going to slap that guy in the face. He has no respect. This, for, this section starts out, respect one another out of reverence for Christ. And people who talk like that are idiots. They're idiots. They're carnal-minded get my point <laughs> men fight for independence we want financial independence we don't want to depend on anyone men fight for independence and women fight for independence I am woman watch me grow you know Helen Redkey remember that song what was it Redding thank you you know I don't know beans from buckshot <laughs> I do remember the song and it was a prophetic song from the demonic realm. I am woman. 
watch me grow. You need to insist on your rights. You need to stand up for yourself. Now, frankly, there has been so much abuse and so much unhealth. I understand why women feel that way. I do. But fighting for yourself will not win the victory that you long for. And so I, we just need the Spirit to help us try to work out and understand what God has called us to uh, in our relationship one another. Honey, sorry. Come on up and talk to us a little bit. Help, help me out. <laughs> you need a mic? Okay, Mike, she needs you. Thank you. I'm only going to take a quick minute, but I did have a couple of things I wanted to address today. Um, excuse me. Ephesians 5, 21 through 33, out of the Message Bible, it says, Out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent to one another. Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does. And gentlemen, I really want to encourage you. I don't know how much noise we make, and we make a lot sometimes, we as women, but we really do want clear, concise leadership from you. We do that. We want a covering. So we want leadership and the way Christ does to his church, not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise be submitted to their husbands. Now, ladies, I want to encourage you right now. Submission does not mean you lose your identity. It does not mean that we lose who we are as a woman of God. We are not less than. We have to be complete in our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because as we all know, no man, no human relationship is going to completely fulfill that longing in your heart for love because that's exactly what it is, a human relationship, and humans fail one another. We don't intend to, we don't mean to, but it does just happen. So I want to encourage us that you are a complete person, okay? Now, I want you to hear me clearly on this. If you are in um, a relationship or if you are in a situation, submitting does not mean that you should jeopardize your health or safety, okay? If you're in a situation that you need some help, please seek that help because submitting does not mean you need to jeopardize your health or safety. It means trusting the Lord to be at work through your husband's leadership. It's not easy at times, trust me. <laughs> we, I have walked this and I'm sure everyone out there has walked that too. It's been very difficult at times to trust my husband. He's a visionary, but I'm much more practical. But I want to encourage you, God is and he has been faithful. Okay, Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wife, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words, remember in Proverbs, it talks about there is power and life and death in the power of the tongue. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. No one abuses his own body, does he? No, he feeds and pampers it. That's how Christ treats us, the church, since we are part of his body. 
And this is why a man leaves his father and mother and cherishes his wife. No longer two, they become one flesh. This is a huge mystery, and I don't pretend to understand it at all. Paul was a very wise man. <laughs> we do not understand it. But what is clearest to me is the way Christ treats the church. And this provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself and loving her, and how each wife is to honor her husband. And we all know that marriage and relationships are very hard work, especially marriage. It's two people coming together as one. And when Scott and I got married, it wasn't just the two of us coming together. It was my family of origin, his family of origin. I had way of doing things. He had way of doing things. And they were way, way different. <laughs> and that is a huge thing. He had temperament and personality. I had my temperament and personality. And it is a perfect setup for major conflict. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do is to divide because what a powerful weapon a strong and healthy marriage is in the hand of the Lord. So he's a processor and I'm a, come on, let's do this, okay? And um, I'm much more practical. And whenever we had a conflict, I was ready to battle it out. Come on, we're going to settle it right now. Five minutes, we're done, and we're going to be on our way. He's not that way. And um, he had to take time, and he had to process it. Drove me nuts, because it's like, we're going to do it, we're finishing it, and then life's going to move forward. But I want to tell you that with his grace and patience, he's helped me learn not to react and take a few minutes, and I can tell you honestly, that has saved me much heartache because my mouth has been closed at times when it needed to be and saved me from saying things that I shouldn't have. So over time, I have really learned that Scott loves me, and I know that he loves me. And he just, um, he shows it to me at times in different ways and different how I want or how I expect it because we all have expectations. But um, again, humans fail. But as I grow in my marriage with Scott, and as you grow in your relationships and your marriage, you continue to feel safer, you can continue to feel covered, and you become more confident. And that has allowed me to grow in my love for him, and most importantly, my love for Jesus, because that is what's most important, is having that relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, honey. That's so good. So good. All right. Um, uh, for the sake of time, I'm going to invite you to stand, and I'm not going to invite the worship team to come on up. I'd love to, to sing with you to help us close uh, our time, just inviting the Holy Spirit to, to rest on us and, and uh, to move in us. Um, maybe, maybe you can sing it as you go out the door, or, or maybe, maybe you can go to YouTube and, and type in rest on us and play it for yourself. I'm just, uh, what we're going to do today is put a comma. I think next week, Cheryl and I are going to talk about some practical ways to love one another. And uh, so uh, we'll work on that together a little bit. Um, but I just want to invite you to offer yourself to the Lord. I, I, uh, I believe that God has called us to partnership, armed with partnership. I believe he's created your husband or your wife as an ally to add strength to your life. And I wanna, I'm contending and praying for breakthrough in areas where maybe the enemy has worked to divide you 
and to set up walls. I'm praying for healing in our hearts and in our soul so that we can grow in vulnerability and transparency so that the power of the Holy Spirit can work in us and among us, not only as husband and wife, but we're going to get into talking about family here because Paul's going to talk about fathers training your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We need the Holy Spirit free to work in us as husband and wife and, of course, in the life of our kids. So, Lord, here this morning, we just offer ourselves to you. And, Lord, we just ask you to move among us. Lord, heal our wounds. Lord, draw us together. Lord, I pray that this week could be a time of partnering together as husband and wife. Lord, if there needs to be confession of sins, I pray that we could do that. I pray for deeper communication. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Could we say amen together? Amen. Thanks so much for your patience.